Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategies built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keep them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We, you probably already know we have our book, Lost at CEO. It was released. It is a Amazon bestseller and actually 12 different categories. And we've had raving reviews for those who have read it. We encourage you to go out to amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or Audible to pick up a copy soon for yourself. With that, we'd like to introduce our guest, Brad Kane. Now, what's interesting about Brad is Brad was actually a listener of the podcast. And he ended up reaching out, connected, and we had some uh, really and really neat conversations of like, hey, there's we're both dealing on helping small to medium-sized businesses, helping them to get to their next level, but we take a different approach towards it. And, and that's what I think this conversation is going to be with there. Because when we help out on our side of strategy design and execution, we're going through everything, but often there's a challenge with the people side. And you're going to learn more about how Brad has become an expert in dealing with these accountability issues when people aren't getting things done. And so we're going to go through some of that today. He's been an IT consultant for 30 years, working in software engineering, leadership, and executive coaching. Now has a solo practice focused on the needs of small business owners and specialized in the challenges they face in growth, acquisition, and divestiture of their businesses. His guidance helps his clients and their businesses become more profitable, easier to run, and more valuable when they are sold. So Brad, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Well, thanks, Carl. I'm really glad to be here and uh, really uh, appreciating and I've been enjoying your book and uh, looking forward to having a, a great conversation together. Absolutely. So Brad, give us a little bit more depth behind you know, what you do day in, day out when you're working with clients today. Sure. My day in and day out with clients typically is they come to me looking to achieve some sort of a business outcome. Uh, like you mentioned uh, a bit ago, they're looking to maybe sell the business or maybe hand the business off to their kids uh, or their, uh, their business growth has plateaued and they're trying to figure out how do I get from, from where I am to where I want to be. And I, I can't work 60 hours a week anymore. I, I need to spend some more time with my family uh, and really enjoy my life. And right now, the way I'm interacting with my business is, is in the way of that. And what I help them with is figuring out how they're going to do that. Oftentimes, that involves some leadership development work. Uh, sometimes that involves helping them to learn how to deal with the emotional impacts of the kinds of changes that they're going to go through, uh, divesting yourself of a business that you've that's been a central part of your life for 30 or more years is, is a very emotional, challenging thing. Um, and it's a little unusual that a software guy is, is helping folks with their emotions. But along in my journey, I discovered that really it's not the technical things about running a business that people struggle with. It tends to be the emotional impact of those 
challenges and changes that where people tend to get hung up. So working with clients, we would come up with a strategy for how we were going to approach uh, a change in their, let's say their engineering organization. And we would all agree and they would nod and we would sign, you know, sign off on the changes that we wanted to have happen. And then they didn't happen. And so I spent some time learning how it is that people change and what works and what doesn't, uh, and spent some time doing some executive coaching and now apply those skills with the owners of small and medium-sized businesses to help them get to where they want to go. So this is a fascinating thing. Of I, I love that part. People get, they agree, they write it down. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to change. And we know from the data, right, that most things don't get done. Even even McKenzie, who is one of the leading strategic plan firms who people pay millions and millions of dollars to work with them, only 20% of their plans actually get executed. And often it is the people side that is the reason why things don't move forward. So let's talk about this for a moment. And, and let's kind of let's maybe perhaps do this scenario. Person who's owned their business for 20 years, maybe even 10 years, but they're looking to this point of trying to create value to sell and transition. Okay, so let's let's just put that as the the, the big picture perspective. They they're looking to get out. They're looking to get a retirement, you know, out of this company that they've created, developed, and created value for. You come working with them. They perhaps have some key people that they've been working with for years, but there's something behind the people side that's not getting done. Number one, how do you help the owner see? that there is a problem in the first place. And the problem isn't the strategy. The problem is the people. How do you, how do you help get them to that discernment level? There's a technique that I use that comes comes from a lot of different sources, but it it involves helping the, the client, first of all, agree to a vision of what they want the outcome to be, where they where they want things to get to. And as we start working toward that vision, uh, we start we usually run pretty quickly into some people-oriented problem. And sometimes it's with the owners. And I'll use a small business challenge that's very, very common. Um, oftentimes, the people that start a small business are very focused on the technique of delivery in that business. So if you set up a software engineering company, it's because you're a really good software engineer. If you set up a, an accounting company, it's because you're really good at accounting, whatever that is. And you understand that business domain and that's your big value proposition. And that works really well. But as you start growing that business, you tend to hire people. Pe th those folks tend to hire people who aren't as skilled as they are they cost less and then they can give them direction. They also don't disagree very often, right? So if I hire people that are not as good at software engineering as I am or not as good at accounting as I am, I can tell them what to do and they'll say, yes, sir, I will do that thing. That becomes a strength initially because you can get a small amount of growth out of that organization. But eventually when you want to sell the organization, what matters is how well the people that are left understand the domain and can make decisions and can run without you being there. So as a leader, there's usually a big emotional reaction to that because they've become accustomed to being surrounded by people who are essentially order takers. And they've created an environment where it's difficult to hand decision-making authority to people. One of the contributors to that is how that leader selected those people 
to be in the organization in the first place. And then part of that is that that leader wasn't skilled at growing leadership, as at growing leaders themselves. They have a very simple model of, I say jump and you say how high. And that becomes very limiting when you want to work less at the business or sell the business because all of a sudden the the chief decision maker isn't isn't around anymore. When they go to do that, they often get very uncomfortable. They often and and justifiably so. If I've surrounded myself with order takers and I want to back away and take a month off and and go see Europe, that can be a very very difficult proposition because anytime anything happens, in the company, the process is you escalate it to the owner and they fix the problems. So if I'm gone, they can't escalate to me. I can never leave the business. I can also never sell the business because it isn't worth anything more than its existing client base. It can't function on its own. So helping those leaders deal with the emotional reaction of, oh my gosh, I need to hire somebody who might be smarter than I am, that might know this business better than I do, Right, Or I might need to develop my people and I don't know how to do that. And I'm super scared. I wake up in the middle of the night sweating because, oh my gosh, I'm worried that they're going to they're gonna screw this up. And all of those are big emotional reactions that the owners, challenges that the owners face and have to learn how to deal with. That's It's a very common thing. And there's another set of common scenarios that we run into in, in mid-sized organizations as they grow that are similar analogous things. It comes down to how do I deal with the fact that I feel scared? And every time I feel scared, I take back control. I love this. And, and as you were talking, there's like all these examples of clients that I've worked with where what you described has been true. And, and one of the ones you talked about, which is really common, and these are in cases where there's private equity investment involved in it, you know, or sometimes it's just their own business. But there is a truth that they are, and I, and I hate to say this, but in terms of their trade, they're the most experienced. They are, if you may, the smartest person in the room when it comes to their knowledge of their business. And they haven't let go of any of the core, decision, what you said, decision-making. So what's the first thing that you work with them to help somebody you know, release those hands off of the business so they can actually hire, if you may, somebody of equal or better skills than they have. How do you help a CEO let go of that concern and then actually make the right hire, right? Because it's expensive. It's very concerning, right? If you're if you're thinking of how much you're making as a CEO or entrepreneur in a business, and all of a sudden you're willing to bring in somebody else very highly paid, assuming you're paying yourself well. And that's a big expense, right? From the, the owner's perspective, like, oh no, how am I going to be able to afford this in many cases? How do you, how do you get them to see that this is going to be creating more value, number one. And number two, how are they going to be able to deal with not necessarily being the smartest person in the room anymore? Yeah, those are two uh, two very different questions and I'll try to, to answer them in kind. Um, the first thing that we try to do is to get them focused on the larger objective of what is it that they're, they as an owner are really trying to accomplish. And sometimes, you know, if it's, I want to spend more time with my family, I'll do a session where we've got their spouse in the room and we talk about what it is that that they're experiencing and what they would like to see different and why they would like it to be that way it spouses are a very powerful uh, are a very powerful force in the lives of of a lot of owners and uh in the absence of a spouse we might use kids or we might use 
just what they what it is that they want for themselves and helping them understand that and to commit to those kinds of goals for themselves personally um, turns out to be a very powerful tool in helping people to change. On the other side is, you're right, this is going to be a big emotional, risky maneuver to bring in some very expensive, presumably fairly expensive talent to take over the business and then to, to hand it to them. And what we try to do is to work those emotions one at a time. One of the things that we don't do, I was going to say in this country, but I, I haven't found a country where we are very good at this, is helping train. We, we do a lot of training and education with people on, here's how mathematics works. Here is how science works. Here is how business functions. We don't do hardly any training at all on, here is how you and others experience emotion and how you can deal with it. One of the ways that I learned some of these skills was from learning how to fly an airplane. And it's a very emotional experience. Everybody knows that little airplanes crash all the time, and uh, including the pilots of those little airplanes. And we study a lot of accidents and we try to back reverse engineer, how can I prevent that from happening to me? And most of the time, the pilot, some decision that the pilot made or some action that the pilot took or failed to take is a contributor, a direct contributor to about 93% of airplane accidents. Most of that is learning how to deal with your emotions. It's, oh my gosh, I might not make it to, to Thanksgiving dinner, or I might miss Christmas because the weather is just worse than what my equipment can handle or what I can handle. And that's a big emotional process that has nothing to do with rational thought. People rationally know and are well-trained in recognizing those kinds of situations where the weather is really bad and that they fly into them anyway. That kind of predictably irrational behavior, uh, to steal a quote, is something that we can help people to deal with with a variety of different techniques. So say you've got uh, an owner uh, or just any individual, any leader in the organization who is very domineering in meetings. And they've been told that it's a problem, that they don't listen to others, that they, they don't let others speak, that they want to control every decision that happens. They recognize that it's a problem. They want it to be different because they, they understand that it's in between where they are and where they want to be. The first thing that we, we run them through a process called the four R's will help them to recognize, that's the first R, when they're doing it um, or, or when they're about to exhibit that behavior, most preferably, and uh, or if they just did it. And then we have them reflect, okay, what is it that's that's contributing to my reacting this way? What's happened? We do what we do because we did what we did. There's something in our past that contributes to that, uh, to the way that we react uh, to a situation. And what is that? We try to help them to, to draw that out and to be able to verbalize, oh, I, I do this because of this thing that I used to do. And it worked really well for me, maybe when I was a, a frontline manager, but it doesn't work for me now that I'm an executive. The third R is to reframe. 
to be able to look at the situation in a different way that's going to allow them to produce a different outcome. And we'll practice some different ways of thinking about things. Hey, if I keep dominating in meetings, I my people are going to leave. I'm going to have high turnover. I'm never going to get good ideas. Um, I'm never going to be able to go on vacation and see my kids and all of those other things. And then they can respond, which is the fourth R. So that's an example of a tool that I use in working with folks on, hey, I, I know that I'm supposed to be doing it differently and I'm really struggling to alter my behavior. How do I do that? Right. I love this part that you talked about bringing in the spouse or significant other into these conversations because it is often an extraordinarily important and powerful person that's involved in that role. Uh, it's often, I'll often bring up this in discussions with a client or what they're thinking, or when they're talking about working with somebody else, but not the owner themselves. I think that's brilliant to actually bring in this person into it and thinking about what are we going to do? How are we going to help navigate? But I want to talk about that next thing, because it's often with something why they don't want to leave their companies because their their whole ego, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but their their whole sense of being is their company. It's their purpose. It's their life. It's how they're recognized. I'm the owner of XYZ company, right? Or I'm the CEO of XYZ company. This is who I am. And I've literally met a person who is being recruited by a private equity firm and he'd been very successful and never has to work a day again in life, like literally. However, he's like, if I go buy another swimming pool again, and he was joking when he said this, I'm going to drown myself in that pool because I'm so sick and tired of just lounging around and not doing anything. He wanted to get back in the game. What he enjoyed was the process of building a company to help turn it around. That was his joy. That was his fun. And he still, by the way, spent a lot of time with his family. So question for you is when it comes to that, what I'm talking about when your sense of being is, is your company. And you're trying to get them to think about what are you really going to do next? Because you're probably not going to play golf every single day. That That's one of these misnomers. You're probably not going to go bowling every day. You're probably not going to watch TV every day. Once again, otherwise you're going to go crazy. How do you help people envision that next step so they do it the right way? So they really sell their company the right way on the emotional side of letting go and moving forward with something new. I think that there's, again, there's two parts to that. And and one of them is the first part is, yes, my identity is really wrapped up in my organization. And who am I? How do I figure out who I am in the future when I when this company isn't mine anymore? And that hangs up a lot of folks. I've known more than a few business owners who have chosen to fold up the company uh, rather than see it in someone else's hands because that emotional driver was so strong. And it, again, is really important for them to have a vision and to develop a vision for along with them of what is it that really is important to you? What are your values? And I use a very values-based approach and have an exercise to help people figure that out. Because if I ask somebody what their values are, they look at me like I have two heads. Um, so we go through an exercise and they figure out, okay, okay, this is what matters to me. you know. And, and uh, my values are integrity and family and learning and happiness and health. And those are the things that are, are really important to me. And as I'm making decisions in my own life and in, for my own practice, 
I'm checking in with, hey, how am I doing on these? Is that agreement uh, to do referrals for XYZ company, is that going to be compromising my integrity? And because I'm not going to really enjoy what I do if I feel like I'm compromising that value. Or if I am going to commit to doing a speaking circuit, how am I going to be taking care of my health and staying connected with my family through that process? And staying grounded in those values is really important because it it allows you to make more effective choices about where you are and what you're going to do next in your life. And what we've what we've discovered and what the behavioral psychologists have figured out is people who have a firm grasp of their values and evaluate their day-to-day behavior against their values flat out find it easier to manage the emotions that come with these kinds of changes, whether they're changes that I get to make as an owner, like I want to sell my company, or whether they're changes that are thrust upon us, like I have cancer and I need to sell my company, or the market has changed and my company isn't what it used to be and it needs to pivot along the way. Folks who have a firm understanding of what their own values are and what matters to them are able to navigate those kinds of changes that happen much more effectively. Great answer there. Uh, Brad, from the business side, I'm curious, how do you measure success? And once you, you can measure this, we talked about beforehand, you can measure this in terms of for your own business as well as for the businesses that you're working with. But how do you measure success from the business side? For me, my my primary role is to help my clients to change. So I measure my success by, first of all, how effective I am at maintaining a, a pipeline of people who are interested in working with me and discovering what that change could look like and delivering on that pipeline. And, and secondly, um, as a trailing indicator, how effective my clients were at implementing that change for themselves and are they happier? So when I have clients who I'm thinking of one individual that I've been working with who has doubled his profits and works 30% fewer hours in his company um, and is now on a trajectory to double his revenues on top of that, you know, that's a very successful thing. His telling me, hey, I, I get to see my wife now and I'm not exhausted all the time and I'm I'm getting to where I want to be and and I'm going to get the value from my company when I sell it that I need to. And he's developing not simply the technical skills of how do I run a business more effectively, but also the emotional skills of how do I learn to have a boundary between myself and the business. All of that is going to make it easier for him when it comes time to let that business go to a new owner. Um, so those are are internally for my own business, my own success metrics, as well as externally, the ones that I have for my clients is, is helping them to make those kinds of changes. Great answer, Brad. You yourself, you are a busy person. You have multiple clients. You've been managing what you do. I'm curious what type of habits that you do on a consistent basis to help make sure that you're performing at your best. One of the things that I do is that I didn't used to have to do. So a little bit of my background, I, like I said, was in software engineering for a long time and I was primarily delivery focused. So my marketing was non-existent and my business development involved answering the phone when it rang. 
because I didn't need to do any outreach and I didn't need to uh, to to make the world aware of who I was and and the kinds of services that I was offering. Um, now that I've moved into a different market, I have I've had to do that kind of marketing and selling um, that I was not particularly good at. And because I wasn't experienced at it, I didn't do a very good job. And I had to, to continuously push myself into, you know, producing content and into managing a pipeline, doing things that I wasn't good at. And nobody likes that part of growth. Um, nobody really enjoys, you know, going to the gym the first time when you're out of shape. Nobody enjoys uh, really engaging in something that you've successfully evaded for a long time in your career. Developing a message to myself of, look, every day that I do this, I'm better off than a day where I don't. Every day that I lean into doing some of these things that are hard for me right now, I know I'm going to get better at them and I know I'm going to be better off than a day where I choose to to skip out and uh, to not lean into some of those activities. That along with a lot of the emotional competence issues of really looking at what is it about these particular things that I don't enjoy? What is the emotional reaction that's driving that? Where is that emotional reaction coming from? And really reflecting on that and finding different ways to think about it, like a mantra, continuously deciding that I every day I'm going to continue down this path, even though it's very difficult for me right now, because I know eventually I'm going to get good at it and it's going to be easier. Those have been some habits that I've developed for myself. And, and it's the same medicine that I give to my clients when they are struggling with those kinds of issues of how do I develop empathy for somebody that I don't like uh, is a common one. How do I let go of my company and not take back control every time that I'm feeling nervous is another one. Those are just human nature and helping people to come and myself to come to acceptance of those things that our bodies are telling us and learning how to deal with them effectively is uh, a critical part of my what I deliver to my clients. And it's a critical part of the way that I live my own life. Thank you. I think those are great examples right there. Once again, of how you're developing habits and you talked a lot about it. There's some clear business ramifications you're talking there, but also the importance of learning how to do things that we don't want to do necessarily, right? But understanding by doing some of these efforts, it's helping to create value and peace, right? You know, it, it's as any anybody who is in the any business, when you don't have a strong pipeline in front of you, it's probably the one thing that's going to get you concerned and have you think about getting a full-time job somewhere else, right? <laughs> Is that, you know, if you don't have a study, that's the why people stick and not be entrepreneurs, right? Is the uncertainty of that next paycheck. And, and so I think it's, it is really interesting that you mentioned that because it is, if you get that to a peace level, meaning consistent level of business, being able to come in, you have more joy, right? And more comfort and you, and you can take more time off. You can be more at peace because you know there's once again more clients that you can help and serve in the future. So, Brad, what's a book that you would recommend for our audience? There's a great book called Helping People Change. It's written by a, a, cons a small consortium, but the lead researcher on it uh, was named Boyatkus. And he really focuses on what it is that leaders have to do to help the people in their organizations 
to, to change. And along the way, leaders can learn how to help themselves change and deal with the inevitable changes that we all go through on this journey through life. I think that that's, it's been very helpful for me and it's a challenging read, but it's, it's one that's, it's worth doing. Oh, great, great, great advice. So Brad, how, how can people get connected with you? And I do want you to give your spelling of your last name because it doesn't, it's not what it sounds like uh, being a Brad Kane. Uh, so people can connect with you and learn more. Sure. You can, you can connect with me on LinkedIn again. Yeah. My name is Brad Kane. It's K O E H N or for you pilots out there, Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November spelled just like it sounds. Not really. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find my website, kane-consulting.com, or uh, you can even just go to kane.com and it'll redirect you to the to the consulting website. And please reach out. I would love to to help your organization and help you get it to where you want it to be. Brad, thank you so much. I appreciated all your wisdom and advice today. Thanks so much for having me on, Carl, and uh, looking forward to spending some more time together. Yeah, we absolutely, for those who are wondering, Brad and I are having continuing conversations because we each can assist each other respectively in some of our own strengths, right? And helping to match where we're doing other things. For example, I, I have, it's not what I do, for example, is meeting with spouses. I love that, you know, and just some areas of ways of creating deeper connection to help, once again, get us through to where we're trying to accomplish, where we're trying to create the greatest value. And then Brad, once again, I really appreciate the insights you have. And to everyone else who's listening, I hope you enjoyed this conversation today of this wonderful challenge that it is of being an entrepreneur, being a CEO, being an owner, and trying to figure out how to let go, right? how to overcome our fear so we can really accomplish what we're really trying to accomplish and really understand that deeply. And I think Brad does a great job of helping us to understand that. As we always like to say, we hope you're enjoying the show. As you know, this is free to you and we appreciate if you can do ratings for us on your respective, uh, on, on Apple podcast or Spotify, whatever you uh, typically refer. That's how our ratings continue to grow. We're on our pursuit to become one of the top 100 business podcasts in the U.S. Everyone else is listening. Once again, we appreciate everything that you do and wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.